0: Welcome to the
1: Building Science podcast. Welcome to this uh, Okay. Oh, uh, welcome, welcome to the Building b- Science to the Building Science podcast. 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 Welcome to the Building Science podcast. Bringing the human factor
0: to architecture and design, brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin,
2: Texas
1: okay hello everybody hello and welcome back to the building science podcast i'm here as always with my trusty friend sidekick and annoying business partner miguel here i am here i am <laughs> and he's not actually annoying what bit i have also got the great good fortune to be here with michael ingui and zach semke and i'm going to let them introduce themselves michael we'll start with you would you please tell our audience who you are and uh what you do
2: um, great thanks um I'm michael ingui i am a uh... Architect in New York City uh, with Baxtengui Architects, um, and we have about 25 people. We do a lot of uh, residential work, a lot of townhouse work, uh, and a bunch of it happens to be uh, passive house. Uh, a few of those are net zero, and um, we've also um, i also st- uh, started a website uh, called Passive House Accelerator that I've been collaborating with Zach Semke on. Uh, which has been just a lot of fun.
1: That'll, that'll work. That's great. And the Passive House Accelerator, I, I should have said early on, the topic of this episode, we're going to be talking about market transformation uh, through the lens of uh, your two experiences. So, Zach, welcome. Please introduce yourself.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I'm Zach Semke, and um, I, my I have a couple of roles. One, I collaborate with Michael on the accelerator site, which is super exciting. Looking forward to talking about that with you guys. I'm also VP of Marketing with Zola Windows, um, who they've been involved in uh, the Passfast community for for about ten years. Um, and in my spare time, I uh, help lead an organization called Shift Zero, which is an alliance dedicated to decarbonizing buildings
1: in Washington state. Awesome. Do you have actually any spare time?
0: <laughs> I don't, not really. No, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit crazy right now, but it's
1: uh, it's good. It's good stuff. It's very, very invigorating. Yeah. It's important. Meaning and purpose. Yeah. Okay. Michael, back to you. So you mentioned passive house accelerator could you maybe just give us a, a few-minute origin story of how that came to be and maybe how it grew out of what you were doing before?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, um, so I've always enjoyed the conferences, and I, I enjoy listening to the different groups and different people and seeing what they've got uh, going on, and there's so much to learn. And what the accelerator uh, wanted to be when it first started was uh, a um, uh, basically a way to aggregate a lot of that you've got different groups doing incredible things from Germany to the US um, Australia uh, and just the idea that together we are stronger and by creating a crowd short crowdsourced shared program or uh, or website uh, we could really start to accelerate the growth of passive house and coming back to market transformations it's not transforming fast enough, and one of the reasons that it's not is that um, it, the knowledge is not broadly available, and once it is, and you can see the light bulbs go off in the room every time you bring it up to a, uh, to a new person, they're like, wow, that exists, you can do that, people are already doing it. So the, the hope was that it could help to accelerate uh, that market transformation by both aggregating the uh, the different groups. They're, they're already fantastic posts, creating new ones, but also then sharing them on a broader scale. So What we've been doing most recently is starting to work with the AIA and some of the builder groups and so forth to, um, to really push out some of that information further into architects and builders and other professionals who are really already quite interested in it.
0: We're in a I, th- I think all of us recognize we're at a really important, hopefully, inflection point in the way that we're handling buildings, um, both existing buildings and new construction, um, and a real sense of urgency to move towards zero, zero carbon buildings. And so you have um, governmental agencies now, not necessarily at the federal level, but certainly at um, some state levels and lots of city, le- city level that are grappling with how to figure out how to decarbonize buildings. How, how can new buildings be zero carbon and how can we retrofit existing buildings? Um, and so we in the passive house community have um, some really great answers to those questions. We don't have all the answers. Um, I think that it's, it's important for us to recognize that there are lots of different uh, pathways to move toward uh, decarbon- decarbonizing, and, and passive house is one of them. Um, but we 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 are you know we are at this place where where I think there's a convergence of the sense of urgency, the sense of seeking of answers, and the fact that we have this. Um, this platform, this uh, this uh, a form of design and construction that can really make a big impact and make make a big difference. And also, passive house can be a complement to um, the goals of AIA. Um, you know, the climate goals of AIA or the energy goals of Living Building Challenge buildings. Um, I was just at a meeting with. Uh, uh, the outcome, the outreach effort that USGBC is doing around their new zero certification. Um, we, we have, uh, there's a lot of of, of knowledge base and um, uh, kind of case studies and tools that we can um, bring to this, this shared effort. And so we really see this, I think, as a way to both elevate the awesome and um, exciting work of passive house leaders, as well as integrate into the broader community of people who care about climate change and
1: buildings and health and resiliency. I think that more than just uh, aggregating groups, you, you were mentioning sharing, Michael. And what is it you're sharing? Are you sharing enthusiasm or are you sharing actual concrete ideas? Yeah, I
2: mean, I, th- I think it's, it's different pieces. So, for example, my office has shared um, entire, entire detail sets for no. some of the air sealing methods that we've done, um, you've got a great uh, article um, that we put on Green Light Rise of the Energy Efficient Building. That was by Kate Nason, and who's in uh, Australia. There's a fantastic book that describes a number of ways of getting to, to point B. So for me, it's 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 sharing what's happening out there, but also there's a lot of architects and Passive House consultants. And contractors who are already sharing a lot of what they've learned, and this becomes a platform to share those answers. Because I think it, that's that's the most important, or one of the more important pieces. How do how do I buy material that I want? How do I put it in, and have it be you know successful? Um, so for me, it's, it's it's sharing not only the news but also how, how do you get to point B.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you recommending? Are you advocating? Uh, certain programs, like like Zach was just mentioning, you know, the, the AIA and GBC USGBC, and is Passive House Accelerator is it, you know, is it a Fius accelerator? Is it a PHI? Is it either both? How does that work?
2: It's really both uh, and all of the above. I, you know, it's interesting for going to a lot of the conferences. You realize that the certifications themselves may be different, but the people implementing them are not. And a lot of the details are not, and a lot of the materials are not. And a lot of the, um, a lot of what goes right below certification is very much intertwined. And there's a lot of learning going on every day where, hey, I tried this product and it didn't work well. Or oh, I tried this detail, but it did it better next time. There's a lot of these stories, and they're completely intertwined on the Pants of Us level. But also you've got International Living Future Institute but um, we've got a number of other groups who do really great work. We've got a lot of um, uh, uh, NZEB going on in Europe. There's a lot of learning that is all cross-pollinated. So for me, there's, there's a few different versions of what's important. One is what kind of certification do you want or, and even do you want to certify? But the other is all the stuff that comes below that. What are we learning? What works? What doesn't work? And, and again, how do I get to point B? Uh, you know, I think that's the biggest question that comes up all the time. So some of the stories and some of the projects, it's not good enough for them to just put the project up. What do what they use in the project? What was their detail? Um, so on and so forth.
1: Right. So how do you get to point B? What is point B? Yeah, good question. So I'm looking
2: at a, another article on the site right now by Josh Palmer. So designing healthy building assemblies using thermocork. So he's describing in this an article of, of, of how he's, in this particular project, how he's used thermocork. So he's got a photo of it. He's got a detail showing what that is. Um, talks about the different climate zones. Um, you look at Ed May. Ed May's got an article on the site that describes uh, certification and how you get there. So for me, point B is different from for different projects. I'll use my own company as a, as an example. We have some projects that are full gut. So we do a lot of renovations. In fact, I don't do a lot of new builds, only one or two. I do a lot of renovations, a lot of uh, historic renovations or and historic masonry retrofits. On a lot of my projects, we're never fully gutting these, either for budget reasons, but very often for historic reasons. Um, or, it's, or honestly, just talking about an embodied carbon, Sometimes what's there is really nice, and honestly, you shouldn't rip it out. So for me, a lot of times we're doing uh, Passive House windows or um, redoing my roof. So it's everything I learned with Passive House. I've got my Passive House detail for my roof. I don't have another detail. I don't have another detail for my cellar slab anymore. It's my Passive House cellar slab. It's just the better way of doing it. So in terms of point B, I think it depends on what you're doing, and I think it's important for people to know that because there's a lot of people – for lots of reasons who are um who are going to be renovating a house but not fully all the way and so providing options for them for their different levels of point b are important sorry that was a long answer
1: no it's good so basically b for better but the, there's oh. all kinds of different details there's all kinds of di- it, it, it you yeah. know the engineering joke it, the first two words of any answer from an engineer is it depends yeah um, so you're getting kind of that that there, it depends exactly what point B is.
2: Yeah, I finished a beautiful house on the Upper West Side of Manhattan with detail that people would have killed me if I if I removed. But they're, they're brand new um, Passive House windows, a Passive House uh, roof assembly, a Passive House cellar assembly, and everywhere we, where we could open the walls, we insulated an air-sealed well. Um, and where we couldn't, we made sure there weren't any issues, there wasn't any infiltration, and we brought their heating and cooling down by over 50%. That's the minimum that's just that's what you should be doing. They're not gonna open up that house again for another hopefully fifty, sixty years. So I shouldn't be renovating any house without that mindset. And using that house is a great example, it was really difficult to do it in some of those cases. I had historic woodwork, historic mouldings, and a lot of houses it's much easier than that. I'm just dealing with sheetrock and typical trim. So there's I think everybody needs to go into the mindset that we're renovating these houses today, hopefully well enough that they're not renovating them again for 50 years, and we've got to do it the right way. It's really just better building. Um, I had this conversation with someone the other day. I mean, it's not passive house or net zero. Just, just built it better. We know how to build them better now. We should just be doing
1: it. So what you're getting, if I'm understanding right, is you're getting architects and builders and trades that are voluntarily sharing their expertise,
2: yeah, very similar to what they would do at a, at a conference. Uh, you know, whenever I go to the conferences, I'm always excited to hear what people are teaching. I love the uh, how creative they are, how collaborative everybody is. Um, and this is really just a way to expand on that incredible experience. You know, looking at the FIAS conference, we took a lot of the sessions that were really great at that conference and turned them into articles. So not only did you actually... Um, I get about six or seven different kind of uh, interview sessions that we had with people there. But we actually turned some of those really great sessions into articles, so you can kind of spread that knowledge even further out. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing better than the face-to-face contact and the different conversations you can have between sessions at the actual conference. But it's great when some of that information can kind of reach Different people throughout the Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I think kind of the world.
1: all of us, maybe even all of us listening recognize that information flow um, is probably the key to a lot of the outcomes we want and need as a society. It's it's less like there's no possible way to do this detail. It's more I don't know of a way to do this detail. Um, so you need to get the information. Yeah. Um, But I'm going to do a mildly cynical comment, right? So I I go to a lot of national conferences. I love it. I agree. I love the spirit of um, camaraderie and, you know, mission, sense of cause, sense of purpose. Um, It's also the case that at a conference, there's this interesting dynamic where it's it's unlikely that many of the people in the room or even any of the people in the room are actually direct market competitors for – you know, me getting a client to sign a proposal with me versus someone else in the room. So it's a little bit easier, but you're getting it within the New York city market. You're getting, let's just stay on the GCs. You're getting general contractors to somehow transition away from being competitive to being more collaborative. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things that I've enjoyed most about uh, doing these passive houses. So our first passive house was pretty rough. Um, we didn't have a systematic approach. Uh, it, it didn't go smoothly. And we were still successful, but there's nowhere near repeatable. So one of the things we realized after that is that we needed a systematic approach. We needed that, pro- that approach to be repeatable, and we needed it to be repeatable, depending on no matter who the contractor was or who the team working on it was. So on our next one, we invited a bunch of the contractors that we worked with Um to come in and and meet. And they were all apprehensive. A lot of them had uh, competed with each other for years and uh, decades and never met each other. And uh, we had one contractor kind of milling about outside before he realized, you know, it was okay to go in. And it was a little awkward at the beginning. It's about 10 contractors there, but within the first like 15, 20 minutes, everybody's opening up about their problems. What's this, what's that. And they're picking apart our passive details, describing, um, what they like and dislike, and we walked away with like three or four pages of red marks and notes. The deal is now that if you go to one of these sessions, you get to share in those. Um, that session quickly, the next one, uh, a it was re- it was re- requested that it happen at the end of the day, so we can go out for drinks afterwards. There was wow. about thirty people there. The next one after that was fifty-five or sixty people. The next one after that, we wound up limiting it to just. The GC and the project manager, because they were bringing everybody. Um, And uh, the last one was a lot of fun because the was at the GC's, but um, a bunch of passive house consultants, all of whom compete, were there. Um, A couple of our engineers were there. Another architect that I definitely compete with (laughs) directly was there. So, how did you do that? How did you get
1: past competitive to collaborative? Is there some, you said it happened, but (laughs) how did it happen?
2: Well, you know, uh, you know uh, I mean, one is we, we we requested it, so I guess people felt uncomfortable saying no. Uh, but the other is uh, the exact opposite is happening now. I have a contractor who's been fighting doing Passive House uh, just because I think he's afraid. Um, it just, you know, it's a, he's already making money. He's already doing well enough. Um, but he hasn't been invited to any of these because the deal is if you're not doing a Passive House, uh, you, you can't come mm-hmm. because then you don't have any skin in the game. So... He actually went, got certified, and and wants to be in because he feels like he's being left out of that crowd. He wants to be put on the list. He wants to be on the list. I've got engineers that I meet who are like, "Well, next time you're doing it, can I come?" Same with architects. I'm having a actually lunch with an architect tomorrow that I compete with quite a bit. Um, and we talk about details and business stuff all the time. I I think it's um, I think once you start the meeting. And it's very repeatable. This should be done everywhere. Uh, I can tell you the reason why we have a repeatable approach right now and the reason why our details are much closer to cost-neutral, if not cost-neutral, is completely those contractor meetings. We've done about eight or nine of them already. And each time we do them, they love picking on us. I mean, we are totally the target. And uh, they think it's bad, but I mean, it's great. Uh, Again, we walk away with lots of details, lots of notes, And we change them, and we send it off to our passive house consultants and our certifiers saying, hey, these are the ideas that came through. And then they say, ah, I get the idea, but no, you've got to do this, this, or that. We vet them, and then we change our detail set completely, and that makes the next passive house that much better, one. Two, at this last meeting, three of the contractors that came are about to start passive houses with us and haven't done them yet. And it was instrumental for them to hear from other contractors and see what they've done. And it's always at a job site where it's still, the walls are open. You can see what they've done. Kevin Brennan uh, helped run the last one. He's uh, a person who's not only an air sealer, but he's also taught a lot of these contractors through um, uh, through the uh, contractor certification course. Um, And it was just instrumental for them to be successful. I feel like one of the, you know, there's a lot of hurdles to market progression. And one of the ways to get over those hurdles is is, is to let people see over the hurdle before
1: they have to get there. But you also mentioned that these contractor meetings yeah. are a key. And my understanding is those are face-to-face, you know, physical meetings. Is that right?
2: They are, yeah. Uh, it, so the deal is, if you're a contractor who's shown up to one of these uh, on-site meetings, you've also, by default, agreed to have the next one at your job site. Um, so, again, everybody's got to have some skin in the game. So the next one is going to be at one of the contractors who hasn't hosted yet. So everybody has to host. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to so, um, have some skin in the game. And you might not get you might not get to everybody, but everybody knows you yeah. could.
1: So, uh, so it's interesting. So you have a combination of online, you know, using the internet as a big information superhighway, as well as kind of quote-unquote old-school, right? People in the room shaking air to talk to each other. I've got a question, and maybe, maybe, Zach, you have a comment on this. So we talked about point A being better, you know, the enclosure, the passive systems being the gifts that keep on giving. So B, if point B is for better, point A would be uh, creating a, an awareness of and an aspiration for point B. <laughs> um, does Passive House Accelerator focus on that? I mean, is it more broad? Do you go to like try to get this to everybody to see Passive House Accelerator or is it within the community of already true, true believers?
0: Yeah, no, that's a good question. That's a question. It's a question about, um, audience, right. And who, who, who are reaching. And we've, we've talked about this a lot. Um, I mean, Pass Pass Accelerator has been a bit around, I think in terms of the, the birth, the birth of it, probably about a year. I've, I've, I've been involved for a few months now. And so one of the, it's really key for us to figure, figure that out. Who are we, to, who are we speaking to? I think it, we're pretty clear that our f- primary audience are practitioners. Um, and that's, and it's built around the spirit of, of, of what Michael just described in terms of that kind of collaborative, it's, but it's, it's a collaborative that what, what Michael has set up, which I think is really awesome is that it's this collaborative atmosphere, but there's also this sense of, of, um, kind of, there is a little bit of Mm a sense of competition in terms of like, Oh, I want want to show that I know what I'm doing here. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're showing, you're showing the details to your peers, um, site. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, that that you know, we want we want to we want to f- figure out ways, and we have a lot you know a lot of work to to do to to make that happen. But it's exciting to think about ways that we can do similar things online. Um, so that's for the practitioners, but we also um, absolutely want, need to be speaking to a broader audience and also yeah. policymakers. So, um, and you know, I, I uh, and. Uh, Michael just had a great uh, interview on CNN, on CNN a, a few months ago that I think um, is an example of the the, the um, kinds of communication we'd like to be doing now to the general public, um, talking about the, the basic benefits of these better buildings and really focusing on health and and all those things. And so we want to continue to to, to do that. Um, and we know that there are policymakers who understand that there's a there's a, a, a critical problem and want to figure out how to yes. how to move the needle with buildings so um, the same kind of of information sharing and showing and sharing of best practice practices is something we want to do on the accelerator and so an example of this is is um, sharing the stories that of of what's happening in, um, at the city of vancouver bc with you know the the just explosion of passive house um, buildings that are going on there um, from one passive house residence in 2015 in Vancouver to now thousands, um, both built and on the way, um, in Vancouver. I mean, it's really, really an amazing and, and, um, heartening story, um, to what's happening in, in, in the state of Pennsylvania with, um, the low income housing tax credits and the way they award those, um, and encourage passive house for affordable housing buildings. And that's, that's made a tremendous impact in, um, in um, equitable access to these buildings, as well as showing that um, in, in the, the climate in Pennsylvania, um, it may not be more expensive to build these buildings than conventional buildings. That's what the data is, the data is showing. There's a really cool data set around that. Um, to what's happening in New York City, to, you know, Europe. I mean, there's, there, there's so many um, different ways that we can approach as uh, citizens and, and people um, concerned about the role that the public sector can play in transformation. There's so many different avenues and directions to attack the problem and um, good kind of of examples. Um, So that's, we we hope to continue to do that we we we're publishing um article by article the entire um policy resource guide from North American PassFouse network we're in the 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 um the process of doing that um uh, michael just mentioned that that great paper yeah, by Kate so. um from PassFouse australia um we hope and expect to be uh, doing similar collaborations with fias and um with uh, with others around the world, so um, that's a. I, I think that if we practitioners are probably are need to be, I think our our primary focus, policymakers as well, um, and then we're going to take take opportunities to talk about um, PastFest with the larger community. But it's actually when you think about the the content, if we think about the site as a as a content creator and provider and sharer, it's the. Um, in some ways, the communicating the benefits of passive house to the broader community a, in terms of just the online platform is the easiest thing to do, um, because there's sort of the there's um, there's some really if, if if done well, we hopefully can communicate um, persuasively about the health benefits of of these better buildings and um, the you know the financial benefits and the carbon benefits. Um, it's the the, there's so much that we need to be able to share with one another as practitioners um, that that I think becomes the the um, it's a bigger lift and a really fundamentally critical one uh, for us to make passive house easier to accomplish for um, so that we can really encourage mass adoption.
2: Well, I think uh, w- w- one example I would use, and it's one of the pushes we're doing this year where we're um, gonna choose different uh, building types and we're gonna focus on them almost monthly, where the goal of that is to show the community as a whole, either either the Passivest community or even further through, that buildings of this type have already been done. So for example, uh, January's big push was retail. So we've got a supermarket and a restaurant and a styling lounge. And um, and we've got the, a car dealership um, hmm. in Alberta, Canada. And it just shows people, yeah, that's already been done. The one that's gonna be coming up that we're gonna be focusing on uh, in March will be schools. And it'll be schools that have been done and it'll show real examples and it'll be on the site so that when a potential architect's meeting with a potential school, or an architect is wondering, hey, has that been done? They, they don't feel like they're talking about a spaceship. Um, yeah, it's, it's been done. It can be done. Not only that, here's who's done it. And if you need help, you know who to contact. Um, and so it's also just kind of um, um, creating a situation where uh, these high-performance buildings are seen as more normal. And in fact, and some of them are really beautiful. That You wouldn't even know they were a Passive House building. I don't think anybody walks into that Subaru dealership in Alberta or this really cool restaurant that's in Barcelona and wonders if it's a Passive House. They just know it's mm-hmm. really good looking.
1: Yeah. So I think that one of the questions that's coming up for me is actually on Passive House Accelerator itself, like, is it sustainable? I mean, is it heavily dependent on Michael and Zach <laughs> uh, burning the candle at both ends? Or, I mean, is there a financial sustainability model associated with it? I mean, you have people that sponsor the site. How, I mean, that? We're,
2: we really tried to focus on getting the content in a good spot and funding it uh, privately for a little while to make sure that we can get it to a place where it is now. Um, starting this year, actually, pretty soon, we're going to be accepting sponsors through manufacturers, and that should sustain the site. The site doesn't cost a lot to run, and it was never intended to be a a monster moneymaker. So I believe that the manufacturers chipping in and doing some advertising on the site and so forth will be all we'll need to sustain the site. I mean, ask me in a year, and I'll tell you if we're right. But, um, But I think that will help us really focus on it, because I don't think charging people to enter the site or charging people to get the information Charging architects to share their information or to list themselves or charging the contractors is really the way to go. I think it's, it'd be great if we created a situation where all that was free. Or for the groups, one of the more popular things on the site is the, um, is the events calendar where everybody can put their events in one place, uh, which was one of the first things we created. can't tell you how many events I miss in New York, even though I think I talked to everybody. But, but I'm obviously wrong because I miss events all the time. So the event calendar it's creating a situation where all of that's free and I think it's sustainable with the manufacturers. I won't, I don't think we're gonna really know that until the end of the year. but uh, yeah, I think it's it's quite sustainable and then I think what that helps with is uh, with that kind of funding it also will help us get the kind of market penetration we're looking for to grow the market uh, right. exponentially.
1: Right. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to naysay it. I'm just, I, you know, positive energy as a business is kind of underwriting these Building Science podcast episodes in the form of me and Miguel. And, you know, the cynical way some people say is that you're, you're trying to drum up interest in your own services. <laughs> and I think we all know that the truth is mm-hmm. that this is meaningful and uh, we would like to see these actions come to fruition. And that's why we do it. It's not like, Oh, check this out. I'll have this podcast and drive people to my business. So similar to you guys, right? There's just a sense of purpose and trying to untie this, knot, yeah. you know, this uh, low mm-hmm. first cost, knot. Yeah. And so that, that takes me back actually, um, two quick questions. One is, uh, well, congratulations for getting an interview on CNN. Uh, one quick question is, how does that happen? And then I want to get back on uh, what Zach mentioned about Pennsylvania uh, and the financing there. So interview on CNN, um, that was you, huh, Michael?
2: Well, yeah, someone at CNN uh, called, and, um, and they had asked if we had uh, both a site that was under construction and a finished site somewhere near each other and in fact we had uh, we had that exact scenario nice. within a block of each other um, and they they wanted to put up something pretty quickly and um, asked if we could get client permission um, and I got that pretty quickly so it actually came together in a honestly a couple of days and we, we filmed it the following week um, so it was a pretty uh, uh, clean situation. I think they had been on the uh, internet looking at different people in New York who could potentially do it. And for all I know, I was their first call and I just got lucky. Um, I don't really know. But um, but I think it was um, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was great to be with CNN. We went through a lot of details and uh, they are really, really good at editing. They made me sound much <laughs> better than I ever really do. Well, that won't happen um,
1: here, don't worry. <laughs> hey, <thanks>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If I, if I could only speak that clearly yeah. everybody would be happy um but it was it was fun it was a lot of fun it was a great experience and they uh, honestly they really uh they created a, a number of the other um uh, a number of the uh, uh mm-hmm. images and so forth as well and uh, there were a lot of the graphics um they got a lot of smart people working with them who are very talented yeah, I, mean, I think it's great it so cnn great. is
1: clearly a a large river in terms of information flow going to society. Um, I'm curious to know how they Mm -hmm. happened to choose this topic. And uh, I don't think you even know that, or or do you, do you know, how they came to interview, you
2: You know, and I don't know that, but, uh, but, but they do have a really fantastic and relatively new uh, focus um, uh, where they, uh, um, and they have a, um, I don't know what it's a magazine or a, or a post that goes out once a week with really great information. I mean, I get it and I read it. I just don't know what it's called. I'll tell you by the time our podcast is done, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're quite into it. It's, That's it's awesome. great.
1: So Zach, Pennsylvania, <laughs> you mentioned that the financial model in Pennsylvania has been showing that that passive house can be delivered for not much more money. Yeah. Can you elaborate
0: on that? So, um, low income house, uh, low income housing tax credits are a key, uh, Way to help fund affordable housing projects around the country, and they come for the. Well, they come from the federal government. They're administered at the state level by uh, the state uh, housing agency in Pennsylvania. That's called the Pennsylvania Housing Finance Agency. So each state gets to decide how um, the how they award these low income tax credits. So they're they set up a scoring system, a bunch of criteria that um, affordable housing developers need to demonstrate um, against so if you if you're an affordable housing developer and you want to do a passive ha- or a, an affordable housing project in Pennsylvania you get extra credit points essentially or you get you get major points in the scoring system if you can figure out how to dial in passive house in your project so the the, the, the there are 130 points in the scoring mm-hmm. system in Pennsylvania and 10 of them are awarded um based on whether the project is Passive House or not. And this this started in 2015. It's totally voluntary. It doesn't cost the state anything. Um, And developers don't have, they can ignore Passive House if they want to. But it's a highly competitive situation. So one one out of four proposals, right, gets awarded. Um, So if you're an affordable housing developer and you can figure, figure out Passive House, you know you've got a major competitive advantage in this process. And so that's um, the. I think what is uh, one of the things that this shows is that when you get a development team thinking about passive house at the very, very beginning of um, project development, then you're, you know, and you we we hear this all all the time about integrated design, mm-hmm. right? Do it early, do it early. You, yeah. Well, this is like the earliest it could possibly be. When, when you do that, then, um, you, you, you know, you get a really, sh- some really sharp pencils going and you can you know, get some good numbers. So what has happened is, um, over time the cost Delta, um, between, um, the conventional construction budgets and the passive house construction budgets has, um, gotten smaller and smaller. In fact, wow. it's inverted now. So yeah, it, it, um, so, um, the there were in the three years between the the uh, between 2015 and 2018, um, there were three years where PHFA awarded low income housing tax credits um, in, in, under this rubric, where you get extra right. points for passive house. 194 conventional projects were proposed um, at an average construction budget of 175 dollars a square foot. Seventy-four passive house buildings were proposed during the same period, at an average cost of one hundred and seventy-three dollars wow. a square foot. Woo-hoo. So initially, passive house was a little more expensive the first year, um, barely more expensive the second year, and by the third year, um, it, it actually went the other direction. So, um, it, it, what it what it you know, I don't, I'm not prepared to say the pass house is cheaper than conventional construction personally, <laughs> but. It is clear from this data, uh, or what this data certainly suggests, is that um, it's it can be immaterial um, if you start if you start early, and it also. I mean, this is also climate; it it, it varies by climate as well. Um, so, yeah, as pretty pretty phenomenal, and this is thanks to work from by Tim McDonald of Onion Flats and Laura Laura Nettleton of Thoughtful Balance doing a bunch of advocacy and just really great um uh, policy making that at yeah that
1: that's a powerful lever as you're saying policy is a powerful lever and i would guess that in that 70 yeah. 173 dollars a square foot that reduction is exactly what's happening that passive house accelerator is causing to happen i should say in new york this um, business model innovation to share ideas to to be collaborative um, but i guess as you say competitively collaborative
0: that's that's definitely our hope and maybe as you know i think that Um, it's, we hear about the clean, the clean energy transition, right. And, and what's happened with, with the, um, the cost of clean energy plummeting. I mean, it's been really pretty astounding. Um, and the reason for that is that the learning, the learning curve law or experience curves are so powerful. So in, in solar panels, every time we double the number of solar panels that are deployed around the world. The cost of solar panels goes down by about twenty-five percent, and so when when you continue to double and double and double, then you have you know just tremendously powerful. Um, uh, economic forces that start to drive a transition toward clean energy. And, you know, it's, I think all of us are frustrated that that's not happening faster in terms of bending down the carbon curve, but I think we're going to see some really breathtaking change in the next um, decade um, in terms of uh, energy generation. And we can harness exactly the same, exactly the same um, uh, learning and experience um, curves in the the building sector to bring that delta between passive house and conventional construction down towards zero, um, and that's definitely a, a driving, I think, motivation for the work that that Michael is doing and the work of the passive house. Oh, that's interesting for sure. Uh,
2: one of the well, two interesting things that are happening in New York, one is just the sheer number of material competitors. That are coming into the market. Uh, We used to do air sealing with one product, one product only, uh, when when we did liquid applied or even some of the membranes. Now we've got three companies competing on the membranes and four companies competing on the liquid applied. Uh, The the prices are all coming down. They're also all making changes to their products that help us quite a bit. Uh, So that's one exciting thing. The other is NYSERDA has really gotten involved in what's going on. and they've, they've started a Buildings of Excellence competition. Um, and uh, the accelerator is hoping to start working with uh, NYSERDA as well. But as of now, for example, you're just using my own uh, Backstage as an example, one of our projects is a Buildings of Excellence award winner. So our clients actually getting money uh, towards wow. their product, project if we um, – share our information, share our details, share all the monetary um, issues behind the Passive House, um, open up the building so people can learn from it. And um, I, don't, I don't know how many, uh, there's three rounds that are uh, over $40 million being awarded in New York alone by NYSERDA. And it goes directly to the project teams and project owners. And it's that kind of thing where You've got a person on the on the edge saying, "I'm not sure if I want to go passive or not." If you're early in your design stage, you can get a pretty decent amount of money. And if it were more expensive now to do passive, that helps to cure that 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 that, uh, that curve for now. But it, I think will also help in the coming years really deal with that market transition because they're they're helping to pay for that mm-hmm. sharing of knowledge. And helping to pay for that extra mile you'll go as a building owner or or, or, or team. I think the second round is about to be uh, – the deadline for it is, is coming up pretty soon. And right after that, there'll be a third round. But, yeah, I think it's $40 million of monetary awards. Wow. Pretty, it's pretty and that money
1: comes from NYSERDA, which – where does it get its money? Is there some uh, – is it energy taxes? or.
2: I don't know, actually.
1: Yeah. Taxpayers. <laughs> Taxpayers. It's, yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, New York <laughs> State. That is fantastic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Any final thoughts, okay. you guys? Zach, Michael?
2: Well, I mean, I can talk a little bit about what we're hoping to do for 2020. Yeah, so uh, what we're hoping to do for 2020 is um, – Expand a little bit on what we did last year, um, and um, basically uh, uh, plan our year out around some of the conferences that are occurring, uh, whether it's the Human Climate Conference or International Living right. Future Institute's conference or North American Passive House uh, North American Passive House uh, uh, Association. Um, we're going to cover the conferences we're going to take a look at who's speaking at the conferences. We're going to uh, create content around it to help both promote people to go to the conferences, but also share the information from those conferences. Um, You know, one of the questions is how do you, how do you make sure that you've got your current content? And how do you share that uh, broadly and our focus this year is just going to be to expand That's that effort huge. quite a bit.
1: That's great. And and by our focus, you two on this call or more people?
2: Well, it's, it's, I mean, I will say this, we haven't, we haven't talked about Zach too much yet, but we'll talk about him now. <laughs> uh, having Zach on board has been, uh, it's been night and day. Uh, I don't think the accelerator the way it exists right now would be here without Zach on board, but we have a few other people who are working with Zach who have also been really fantastic and I think they're going to continue with us. And um, it's been it's been a a, a real uh, nice opportunity.
1: Great, Zach.
0: Uh, it's a dream. This is it's a it's a dream assignment, man. It's super cool.
1: Yeah. So, do you have any final thoughts, Zach? Any final comments on passive house and
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think that what I'm really uh, passionate about this this year is to is to continue to get deeper and deeper with um, uh, sharing technical information effectively mm, yeah. on the site. Um, and so whether that's a, a detailed library or, um, you know, some other, some other way, but that I think that we, we really want to deliver on that. And, and, uh, I see just a, a, a real, uh, I think hunger in the community for that kind of, that information, that kind of information. So, um, we want to help, facilitate that and there are lots of people who are I, I, th- I think that a lot of that is going to be kind of a coordination and kind of harmonizing and bringing together the efforts of a lot of of, of smart people who are already um, kind of working in the in those directions and organizations who are, are working in those directions so um, hopefully hopefully we'll have some cool stuff to show off and
1: in, in uh, That's a so exciting few months guys. I can't tell you how appreciative i am for you taking the time to talk to us and also how important the work you're doing here every every step forward is a step forward and we need a lot of them you know, we need them to aggregate yeah, i gotcha you're welcome we thank, you, you thank you michael uh, thank you zach we'll talk to you all next time thank you for listening